at the breaking point. With overcrowded emergency rooms and long wait times to get a family doctor or to get a surgery, is Canada's healthcare system broken and how do we fix it? I'm David Aiken. Welcome to the West Block. Healthcare emergency after two Nova Scotia families say their loved ones died after waiting hours for treatment in hospital ERs over the holidays. We talked to two doctors who say the system has reached a breaking point. And Nova Scotia Premier Tim Houston campaigned on a promise to fix health care, so why doesn't it seem to be working? We'll ask him how he plans to address the health care crisis facing his province. Access to health care when you need it is something Canadians expect from our health care system. But that system is being tested like never before. And it's often playing out in emergency departments across the country. Of course, the most recent case happened over the holidays when Gunter Holtoff took his wife Allison to the hospital in Nova Scotia with stomach pains. They waited more than six hours before she was treated. But by then it was too late. She said, um... I feel like I'm dying, they're going to let me die here, and, and I just told her, like, no, that's why I got you in the hospital, we're here to get you fixed up, and we'll just be here, might be here a day or two, but then we'll go back to normal, no big deal. Holtoff says he's speaking out because he doesn't want his wife's death to be in vain. He says something needs to change, so what would that change look like? It's a big question, and we hope to get to that right now. Joining us now is Dr. Michael Howlett. He's an emergency medicine physician and the president of the Canadian Association of Emergency Physicians. He's in Beaverton, Ontario. And Dr. Alika Lafontaine, he's an anesthesiologist and the president of the Canadian Medical Association, the CMA, and he's in beautiful Grand Prairie, Alberta. And uh, thank you both, gentlemen, for joining us. And I said there's a lot to talk about. I know I know both your associations have been talking a lot about a lot of the problems in our healthcare system. But, Dr. Howlett, let's start with you as uh, representing the country's emergency room physicians. We heard about those problems in Nova Scotia, but we've heard about emergency room problems in Ontario and Alberta, B.C., you name it. What are some of the common denominators? What, what is some of the key problems that your physicians are finding in our emergency rooms these days? The problems that we're facing are actually national and international in scope. Uh, the International Federation of Emergency Medicine and our own national organization, all of my colleagues and pretty well every province in the country are experiencing the same thing. And that is we have uh, large numbers of patients who are admitted to hospital who can't get out of the emergency department and into inpatient beds. And that creates a backlog. So that emergency department crowding is the number one issue. It also results in a lot of stress on staff, and because we are short in nursing staff, and in some places physicians as well, we have many more patients being, being taken care of by too few caregivers. And of course, that creates uh, a, a stress on the system, being able to bring people in and see them in a timely way, make sure they get inpatient care in a timely way, and and making sure that the, the staff feel like they're doing their job as well as they possibly can. Dr. Lafontaine, I want to come at it just a slightly different way. We heard from, from Dr. Howlett that one problem was getting patients out of the ER and possibly into a bed somewhere else in the hospital. But why are so many people showing up in ERs in the first place? Sometimes it may be a GP is just overwhelmed and saying, go to the ER. Doctors themselves may be sending too many people 
to an ER. But let's start at that point. How, why, are we, why are so many people trying to go to an ER for everything from a headache to a sprained ankle? So, you know, the, the way that we access care does not work the same way that it did in the past. You know, if you were a patient with a problem, you'd sit back and say, you know, I got to go to my community family physician. If you weren't assigned to a family doc, you'd go to a walk-in clinic. You'd actually access virtual care and you'd kind of pull back uh, to accessing emergency rooms unless you really needed to because you can access those other three streams or you knew that your problem was so acute that you had to go to, to an emergency room. Uh, the way that we access care now uh, and the way that it works for patients is that all of these places are completely overwhelmed now. And so people really only have the option of going to the emergency room because a lot of these other places that they used to access care just don't have room anymore. And, you know, the, the experiences of patients really are that they, they don't know how to navigate the system now. You know, in one of the, the stories that happened in Nova Scotia, you know, they, they talked about how they drove to the hospital instead of calling you know, an ambulance because they knew an ambulance would take six hours and they wanted to have that as short as possible arriving to the emergency room. And, you know, patients are trying to navigate the system. It's just very, very confusing to them. It's very frustrating on a provider side as well. Uh, we want to talk about solutions uh, and, and how we fix things. And sometimes if you sort of watch the TV newscasts or read the headlines, you would think, well, if the federal government just gave the provinces more money, everything would be all right. I know it's not that simple. So, again, Dr. LaFontaine, maybe I'll start with you from sort of the CMA viewpoint. What might be some productive and yet relatively quick areas to pay attention to to try to improve our health care system? And, of course, this is a huge topic, We're talking long-term care homes to emergency rooms, uh, to the family physician, what would be some useful ways to move the ball down the road here? You know, I'll start off within the emergency room itself. You know, we, we are having the same sort of demand. It's all just being redirected at the same point. And we're having little spikes that happen as we have disease processes make their way throughout the system. You know, we talk about the triple pandemic that's uh, been going through with flu, COVID, as well as RSV for kids. You know, the same sort of flu acute spike is going to happen for adults too, not, not too soon from now. Uh, and so we have to focus on stabilizing uh, acute care centers like emergency rooms, making sure that folks have an opportunity to work their way through burnout, which I think is at an all-time high right now, which really means fixing working environments. You know, uh, one of the side effects of burnout that I don't think we talk about too much is that a lot of our senior personnel are leaving for other places in the healthcare system. And as a result, the people that we leave behind are really struggling because they tend to be more junior uh, as far as their experience. Now, as far as fixing primary care in the community and other places, you know, a shift towards how we do things differently, moving away from siloed care towards team-based care can help us to increase capacity. And that's really about redistributing workload. You know, there's an enormous amount of stress and work that rolls downhill towards people who work in the front line. And patients are really starting to see the effects of that in their day-to-day -day interactions when they need care. Dr. Hallett, I'll put essentially the same question to you, of course, perhaps with a focus on emergency rooms, but what are some solutions for fixes? I would have to agree, first of all, 100% with what Dr. LaFontaine has said about uh, primary care in the community and the need to emphasize or prioritize uh, making sure the resources are in place for primary care, community care. Uh, I also want to emphasize that our acute care facilities which is where we work, uh, don't seem to have enough capacity to manage all of the acute care that's coming into our hospitals. But in reality, part of that is the lack of community care, long-term care uh, out in our, in our towns and, and, uh, and, uh, 
and in rural areas and in and uh, urban areas as well. And so what happens is because we lack the long-term care capacity in the community is people who are in hospital who have multiple health problems and their acute care is finished being treated, they then have to go to the community and their functional problems are great enough that the community doesn't have the resources. We haven't planned well enough over the last 20, 30 years to make sure that these people can get out of hospital. So they languish for weeks and months. And any given day, 10 to 25% of hospital beds are taken up by people who don't need acute care. And in fact, they get worse if you leave them in acute care. So, and that's really what's preventing us from getting our acute care people into hospital is the other end of the pipeline is, is plugged. Uh, and so emphasis and priority on creating resource for community care on both ends uh, going into hospital, coming out of hospital, is actually part of the answer. And then uh, what uh, Dr. Lafontaine said about the essentially the moral distress that happens in caregivers, physicians, nurses, etc., when they want to give good care and they can't because they have to see patients on stretchers, their department is overloaded with uh, admissions, so you have a nurse who's not only managing the emergency care, she's also managing the inpatient care on people, she's doing some long-term care because people have come in with social and functional issues. The, the workload is is too great, so that backs up people in the waiting room, that backs up people for admission, and it creates this moral distress, as I've said, that means the caregivers um, get uh, demoralized about not being able to work up to what they feel is a good standard. And that's when they start getting ill or start wanting to leave and go and work right. elsewhere. And we've seen this mass exodus. Um, Dr. Lafontaine, because you're you know, relatively close to the B.C. border, and we've heard over the years, you know, B.C.'s trying to poach nurses from Alberta, Alberta's trying to hold on to people, Alberta's poaching from Saskatchewan. In the last week, we saw um, the British Columbia government offer some new packages to recruit nurses. On the East Coast, uh, we're going to talk to the uh, Nova Scotia Premier, Tim Houston, about recruiting people. Um, is it a problem that provinces are essentially trying to poach from other jurisdictions to get people? Do we need a national strategy to recruit from out of country? We're talking about uh, foreign trained nurses and doctors coming in and perhaps having fast tracks. Are there some solutions there to taking a look at the way we recruit and retain healthcare workers, maybe on a national basis rather than these provincial silos, each province competing against each other? You know, you, you, describe the situation pretty accurately. We have a competitive model versus a collaborative model. We really have 13 healthcare systems that are working in isolation for the most part, unless they choose to overlap. You know, we, we don't even know how many nurses we have in the country as far as an agreed upon number, and notwithstanding, you know, how many family physicians or other types of specialists have. There's lots of different databases that have lots of different numbers, and it's often difficult to find even that, that number of what actually represents what's going on in the system right now. And so, you know, what do we need? We need these collaborations across provincial and territorial jurisdictions to work with the federal government. So not only can we track problems, we can also track the needs of patients and match those things in a, in a more reasonable way. You know, we, we've run into these problems, just like Dr. Howlett was saying, because we, we've done a lot of cuts in the healthcare system that have decreased our capacity. And it's because we did not know, because we did not have the data, we were not collecting or sharing it just how dire the situation would be right now. So now that right. we're in this situation, what's the solution? It's collaboration across the country. 
Dr. Alika LaFontaine of the Canadian Medical Association, Dr. Michael Howlett of the group that represents emergency physicians across the country. Thank you both, gentlemen, um, and I, I'm, certainly, I'm certain we're going to pick this conversation up uh, down the road. Thank you again. Thank you very Thank much. You. The Progressive Conservatives in Nova Scotia won a surprise majority government in 2021 with a promise to fix the health care system. With hospital emergency departments overwhelmed and 130,000 people still waiting for a family doctor, did the PCs live up to those promises to fix health care? Well, joining us now is leader of the party, of course, and the Premier, Tim Houston. He's in Pictou County. Uh, Premier Houston, it's great to have you with the program. I want to start with the, the tragic events of last week, those two deaths. And I know there's some investigations going on to determine the cause. But still, there may be people who are now afraid to go to an emergency room in Nova Scotia. What do you say to those Nova Scotians who are anxious about the care they might get in an ER? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity for sure. And certainly the, um, you know, it's, it's a tragic situation when, when we lose any, any Nova Scotia, any Canadian, particularly those that are, you know, interacting with the healthcare system. But what I would say to people is we, we have incredibly, uh, talented, dedicated, compassionate, uh, people working in our healthcare system. And it, you'll, you'll get good care when you get in the system. Now, the reality is, is that, you know, there will be, sadly, people will, 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 will not make it when they, when they, when they interact with the internet. That's the, that's the with the ER system. I mean, that's the very nature of the emergency rooms. Um, and and it's sad when it happens. But what I want Nova Scotians to know is we we have incredibly talented people working in our healthcare system. They're under they're under pressure. Like uh, no different here than anywhere else in the country. Our, our Medicare system across the country is under pressure. But uh, but they Nova Scotians should not be nervous at all. They will get good quality care when they get in the healthcare system when they get to the emergency room. I mentioned off the top your election victory from twenty twenty one and you know this, but for our viewers outside Nova Scotia, big come from behind victory. You were behind in the polls at the, the, the start, and you won a majority. And I think you hit the sweet spot in your campaign messaging, focusing so much on health care, clearly tapping into voters' anxieties about health care. But can you say now, a year and a, you know, a few months in, the system seems worse off now than when you took over in the fall of 2021? Well, this, this system's under pressure. There's no question about that. And I think, I think Nova Scotians will know that I was always very upfront with the status of our healthcare system. I was always very clear with Nova Scotians that it would take money. And, and it is a significant, significant investments in the healthcare system. I mean, we're definitely not, uh, nobody would accuse us of cutting corners. That's for sure. It's going to take money for sure. And it will take time. Uh, this is the, the healthcare system that the status of the healthcare system today is something that's developed over, you know, years, decades, really. We've been on this crash course for a, for a long time. So it would take time to fix it. Uh, the, those are two things I was very honest. And I was also very clear. We'll probably get a little bit worse just because of the, of the negative momentum we had in the healthcare system. And it is taking money and it is taking time uh, and it, it is under significant pressure right now. But what I want Nova Scotians to know is it's, it's, um, the, the people, working in the healthcare system, the health leadership team, the Minister of Health, right up to the Premier's office. We are completely focused on fixing this healthcare situation and our resolve is stronger now uh, than it ever was. We know that there's a lot of pressure, but uh, we know we can get there too. And, and you're right. I mean, a lot of these problems, you inherited them, they're going to take time and money. But we had this situation that people are still thinking about it in these emergency rooms last week. Are there things that you can do next week? Bring in the Red Cross. Do something to make sure that doesn't happen again. And 
Can you take accountability saying, I want to see this on my desk? This is, I know Minister Thompson, your health minister is going to get onto this, but do you want to take personal accountability and get something done next week? Oh, I do take it very personally, uh, very, very personally. I think that the, the status of the healthcare system is is certainly on my desk. It's on. It's on. It's it's never um, uh, anywhere's away from my mind. I'm very, very focused on it, and I take it very personally when when we lose somebody. The, the tragic situations we've you know we've heard about recently. I carry that very heavily, uh, very heavily on on a, on a deeply personal level. But we also, I mean, look, we, we've been in, we've been in office for a little over a year. We released uh, the Action for Healthcare plan, very detailed plan. It's available online. Nova Scotians can see the plan that will move us to fixing the healthcare system. Statistics about what's actually happening in our healthcare system—they're online. Very transparent. Nova Scotians can see that. And we're, there's an, a number of things that will happen next week, but there's a number of things that have been happening over the last few weeks. If you know, pilot projects around emergency rooms, and now we can have the data and expand them out. So what for the patients, uh, I, I think in the next couple of weeks, they'll see you know, they'll see some, they'll see some noticeable changes from the patient side, from the, the customer side, if you will, and, and also supporting those healthcare uh, professionals who, who are, who are in there every single day trying to, trying to save lives. And there's a lot of lives saved in the emergency room. I mean, I heard a number of stories just this week of situations where people came to the emergency room in dire, in a dire situation and got care and really had their life saved. So, you know, we, 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 nobody likes the, we're all filled with sadness when we have a, a negative outcome in the emergency room. But, but at the same time, you know, we also have to understand that, you know, there's the people in there are dedicated to saving lives and they're doing their very best and they are saving lives. They just can't save them all. That's the, you know, emergency rooms are, are of that nature. We've got a couple of minutes left and I want to see to broaden this discussion to the, the federal government, the federal provincial relationship. Um, one of the things I think the federal government may be nervous about when they get asked for more money for health transfers is they want to make sure it's spent on health. They don't want a government to give tax breaks or something like that. Uh, this last week, rather, Doug Ford in Ontario said he'd be prepared to accept some sort of accountability, some strings attached in exchange for cash. Where's Nova Scotia on that? Would you accept some specific conditions in exchange for additional health transfers? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've been very clear on that. In fact, a number of premiers are. I think that's kind of a, a, a situation that's been kind of um, uh, kind of, I don't know, misrepresented maybe in some sense, let's say. There's a lot of premiers that just want to. We just want to partner with the federal government, and 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 the federal government has some conditions and some things that they want to direct funding to. That's the way it works with the federal government on every file. And healthcare should be no different. I mean, certainly, look, we're we're not shy about making investments in the healthcare in this province. And people would see from the first budget we tabled that we're making significant investments. We will continue to invest in healthcare for sure. We just want the federal government to. We're we're hopeful that they'll be there as, as a partner. And if they have specific outcomes. Specific specific targeted funding they want, that's okay too, because we are going to spend on primary care. We are going to spend on emergency care. We're going to spend on seniors. We're going to spend on addictions and mental health. We're going to spend in all of these areas. So we just want the part, the, the, the federal government to be there as a partner. We, we, we still call for a meeting with the, the prime minister to talk about some of these things um, and, and just look, look each other in the eye. But we're, look, we're there. We're, we're, we're focused on health care. And the federal government is too. So let's get around the same table and make it happen. When the federal government wanted to do childcare deals, it went around the country and did one-on-one -on -one deals with each province. Is that a model to help fix the health care system? Would you accept that if, for example, the prime minister did a one-on-one -on -one deal with Premier Eby in British Columbia and then came to you and did a one-on-one -on -one deal for Nova Scotians? Is that a model? 
Well, look, my 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 focus is on Nova Scotians for sure. But look, this is a national issue. You you won't go. You, there's no community in this country where the the headline story is not about something in the healthcare system. Our Medicare system across the country is on the ropes, and I believe in the public system. And I think that the you know we can work together as provinces with the federal government to salvage our system of Medicare. You don't have to do that one on one. Just do it as a nation. Let's keep the nation together and let's let's get let's get going. We're, we take great pride in this country on our health care uh, and our health care system with the public system. Uh, I want that. And I think Canadians want that. So the federal government should be you should be looking at this as a national issue. And for our final about 30 seconds, issue of <laughs> private sector delivery of health care um, although maintaining the single-payer system, it's come up a few times as a potential solution. Where does the Houston government stand on allowing private sector delivery but maintaining that single-payer? Absolutely. Let's do it. matter of fact, we just in this province uh, for certain types of surgeries, we we're doing that more and more surgeries, uh, you know, using. Look, people just want the care that they need. Um, and if, if, if it's going to be the single-payer system will will we'll, I believe in that system but we want it we want to tap all of the resources mobilize every single resource this was part of my campaign uh, um, uh, pledge on on addictions and mental health the universal you know universal mental health care it's the same concept if there is somebody that can provide the care then let's get that care provided to them we're, we're doing it now we'll continue to excellent Tim Houston is the premier of Nova Scotia thank you so much for joining us very much appreciate it thanks for having me appreciate it well that's our show for today. For the West Block, I'm David Aiden.